Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. My name is Pete Schiffman. I'm the president of NAMI Staten Island, and it is my pleasure to introduce our esteemed panelists for tonight's Tardive Dyskinesia Awareness Week webinar. Just to give some history, over the past three years, many states and a broad coalition of mental health advocacy groups have recognized the first week of May as Tardive Dyskinesia Awareness Week. Now, with more states continuing to declare TD Awareness Week, we recognize those living with this involuntary movement disorder. Also, one in five adults live with a mental illness. May is Mental Health Month, and as we work to increase awareness and support for those impacted by mental health conditions, it is important to remember that those living with a mental illness may also have TD. So joining us on the panel this evening are Dr. Adam Smith, a psychologist with Richmond Behavioral Associates, and Dr. Eli Schallenberg, psychiatrist, also with Richmond Behavioral Associates. Also on our panel, individuals who will be sharing their lived experience include Kenneth Sobolska, who is a NAMI Connections peer leader, and our guests, Christine and Annie. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Pete. Dr. Smith? Well, the reason that this specific you know, telecast is, is being done today is that uh, NAMI had applied for a grant uh, so that we could have the means to to do this uh, particular broadcast to highlight issues related to TD and bring awareness, you know, to the community. So uh, through Richard Behavioral Associates, obviously Dr. Uh, Schallenberg and myself representing, you know, our private practice, and we do a lot of clinical research um, in psychiatry, uh, we provide some background and... Uh, some discussion of symptoms and treatment. And, you know, we were nice enough to uh, be able to secure three people who you've introduced, uh, Pete, who, um, you know, have lived experience with it and, you know, can probably provide the best, uh, you know, as experience of, of, of what it's like, um, you know, for them day to day, how they're impacted by it, maybe even some of their treatments that they've, uh, that they've gone through and, um, you know, Dr. Eli is obviously here to, to talk from a psychiatric stand about it. Um, just as a background, and I'll let Dr. Eli take it away, um, you know, Tardive dyskinesias, uh, in this particular case, we're talking about it as a neurological condition that is resulting from uh, medication use and some particular medications that uh, are more commonly used in psychiatry. Uh, back. 30 or so years ago when certain medications were being developed for um, psychiatric illnesses, things like Haldol and Thorazine, uh, they were the first generation and they were much more likely to produce these neurological uh, side effects that, that Dr. Eli will talk about. Um, I must say over the last uh, 10 or 15 years, uh, newer medications have been developed that for a large part, have reduced the incidence, the likelihood that people will develop uh, tardive dyskinesia. But it still is, you know, a relevant um, neurological condition secondary to medication use that you know, some people still experience. And in the last few years, there have been a couple of medicines that have been uh, developed that, you know, purportedly uh, reduce the impact of tardive dyskinesia. 
So with that, maybe I could just let Dr. Eli um, give a brief overview of it and um, then, you know, involve the panelists in, in, in discussing their experiences with it. So thanks, Dr. Eli, for joining us. My pleasure, Dr. Smith. And thank you to Staten Island NAMI for hosting this event. Uh, so, and can everyone hear me okay? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> okay, great. So I'll just tell a little bit about tardive dyskinesia, what it is, and how it affects people. Um, the, you know, the basic idea is that it's a hyperkinetic movement disorder, which means um, it's not like other movement disorders, such as Parkinson's disease, which is usually the one people know, where, you, where people with the disease have trouble moving. But it's actually the opposite with tardive dyskinesia. It's a disorder where people really have trouble stopping their movements. So it's kind of the opposite of too little movement. It's actually too much movement. And the way that it usually manifests is with movements of the face. And most commonly, it's the mouth and the lips and the tongue. So, you know, we've probably all seen someone who has involuntary movements of the mouth. A lot of times, it, you know, you may not think about it too much, but if someone points it out or if you, if you meet someone face-to-face -face and they have these involuntary movements, uh, it's very noticeable when you're looking for it. So the most common movements are uh, protrusion of the tongue, so sticking the tongue out and back in, and a smacking or puckering movement of the lips. Also, sometimes an opening and closing of the mouth and jaw. So it's really this area in here. That's where most people who have tardive dyskinesia have their involuntary movements. And the other thing that kind of makes it unique among other movement disorders is that these movements are generally uncontrolled, involuntary, and repetitive. So those are the three key words to remember when it comes to tardive dyskinesia. They're not on purpose. They're, it's not someone who wants to be moving. It's someone who's doing it involuntarily, trying to do it. And it's not just once or twice. It's repetitive. So it's a pattern. And it's not something that, that people can control. So they may not realize that they're doing it. Sometimes someone will tell them, hey, you're moving your mouth in a funny way or, or what's wrong with you? you? You should stop that. And they can't stop it. Even if they want to, even if they try really hard, it's not something that they can consciously or deliberately stop. Um, so uncontrolled, involuntary, and repetitive movements, usually of the face and especially the mouth, lips, and tongue. That's, that's kind of what we, what we notice most when it comes to tardive dyskinesia. Now, it doesn't have to be the face. It, there can also be involuntary movements of the arms, the legs, the lower body as well. Um, and it'll be the same idea where the movements are happening repet repetitively and unconsciously and involuntarily. And so it'll be the same movement over and over. So it'll be someone moving their arms in the same way over and over, moving their legs in the same way over and over. So I think um, I, at the risk of belaboring myself, I think that's really tardive in a nutshell. 
And the other thing that kind of makes it different from all other movement disorders is that tardive dyskinesia, it's not a disease that happens to people all of a sudden. And it's sometimes difficult to figure out why it's happening or uh, pinpoint what the cause is. But we generally see it in people who have been taking medication and specifically antipsychotic medication or other dopamine blocking medication for a long period of time. So this could be several months or it could be several years or it could even be several decades. So a lot, it's, it's pretty typical for someone to take their medication for a few years and they, they may not have any side effects at all. They may be doing great. They may be happy with their medication. And over time, they start to develop these involuntary movements as a result of the medication being in their body for a long period of time. So that's the other thing that makes it sort of sometimes confusing and challenging to figure out is there may not be a clear cause. It may, there may not be something that happened recently that, that preceded the movements. It just kind of happens gradually over time. And that can be very confusing and frustrating. So I, I, I can say a lot more, but I just want to stop there for a moment and open it up and see if anyone has anything else they'd like to add about Tardive. Well, I mean, perhaps maybe this is a good time for, uh, uh, for Christine first and then maybe Annie okay. to start their experience. Mine is actually with my toes. And the first six months that I had it, I really basically, it's very, very annoying that I cried myself to sleep. I cried all day long because I was wondering why me, why would this happen to me? until I found out exactly what it was. And the medication that uh, Dr. Eli gave me hasn't stopped it, but has subsided quite a bit. And it's just that it's, it's the constant movement of my toes that I even stopped driving because I was afraid I might get into an accident and I didn't want to hurt anyone. So I don't drive anymore. I do mostly, you know, my walking and taking the bus. But... The first six months, I really was wondering why this happened to me. I, I think I bothered the hell out of you guys calling you even 2, 3 o'clock in the morning because it was so bad that I would leave messages on the phone. I mean, it has, it has gotten better. It hasn't stopped. I don't know if it ever will stop, but um, it's almost two years now, I believe. And uh, thanks for sharing that. Actually, you know, it is important that you know if people do have uh, things that they notice that perhaps we can't see that you do tell the doctor, and um, you know, then it requires you know the medication that we think is causing it to be either changed or uh, or you know or discontinued. But did you have any other symptoms besides? What happened? Well, the clenching of the toes, well, or anything in your case, or otherwise? The toes and my buttocks. Hmm. So and and, and it was it's, it was just constant movement, and I don't know, you know, I didn't know why or anything, and it and uh, you know, basically, I just cried. I cried for a good six months, wondering 
why me? Why, you know, what medication did it? I tried looking up the medications that I'm taking and um, to see if it says, you know, the, the TD is involved with it and all. But now it's, it's getting better. I'm getting, I'm getting used to it. Excuse me? How long have you been on the medicine to treat it? Um, I think a year, almost a year and a half, two years. Okay. But the medicine is very, very expensive. And uh, if anybody wants, you know, um, needs to take it, the Ostito, if they're not taking that, I mean, it helps. And there's a good drugstore, Best Rx, that uh, it's $10,000 a shot. But the... Uh, the woman in the pharmacist in the drugstore was able to help me, and I get it for nothing now. Okay, that's good. To Annie, do you want to chime in with some of what your experience has been? Uh, yeah, I, I've had um, tardive dyskinesia since uh, I think about 10 years or maybe oh, 12. Oh, God. Um, and um, I've had it in my mouth. Um, I was being treated by a different psychiatrist with um, diazepam. Um, not diazepam, um, uh, sedative. Um, yeah, I think it was diazepam. Yeah. Um, and, um, I, I, then I started the Ostito with Dr. DeBono. Um, and, uh, I used it for a couple of months and then my hands started tremoring and my whole arm started tremoring actually. And then, so we had to stop the Ostito, and then I went on to the Ingresa, and my right hand continues to um, tremor. So now I'm off the medication for the last week. Um, it originally started with, um, I think I took Abilify. It's an antipsychotic drug, but I, I wasn't on it for a very long time at all. Yeah. It, so, one of the symptoms did you have initially when it started? Was it in the mouth area or the mouth? What, what did it do? What was your? How would you? I bit. I bit the. I bit my 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 um. Your lip. My inside of my mouth. Okay. And I, I was moving without wanting to move. Was there any movement of the tongue or the lips at all? I don't know about the tongue, but the inside of my mouth is all bitten up. Okay. Um, so I guess you, you uh, Dr. Eli, they've mentioned two medicines so far that have uh, been approved for uh, Tardive. Anything you know you can say briefly about that? Well, like I said, um, it started the. I haven't had a very successful story with it. Uh, when I went on the Ostito is when um, my my arms started uh, going involuntarily uh, shaking on me. And then, so we stopped the Ostito and started the Ingresa. And um, it, it's the whole arm stopped, but the right hand um, is still uh, going involuntarily. Can I ask you with the Ostito, was your, was your arm, was it all the time? Because my arm sometimes shakes, but not all the time. Um, I, 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 I think it shakes more when I get nervous. 
So, Christy, maybe I can let Dr. Eli sort of chime in on a little bit of the uh, issue with medications and what's used to treat it. Dr. Eli? Sure. <clears throat> yeah, so um, there, are the, there are two medications that are now FDA approved, and uh, they're, they're the ones that were just mentioned. Uh, one of them is called Astido, one of them is called Ingresa. Uh, the important thing. I tried the uh, I tried the Ingresa. We tried that. Remember that? And then you put me on the Estilo. I do. Yes, Christine. I remember. I remember it well. And I think Christine, you would probably agree with me that these are not perfect medications. None yeah, no. Of, neither one of these medications is going to be a magic pill, but they do provide a lot of relief, especially to people who have really bad tardive dyskinesia that's interfering with their life. So there are some, you know, it's obviously not really something that people um, want, want to cope with if it's interfering with their job or it's making them feel uncomfortable. It's making them feel self-conscious. Christine, you mentioned how badly you felt in the beginning when this was happening. Yeah. And it can, it can really make it hard to get through the day and, and live a normal life. So the medicines aren't perfect. They don't always work. Um, but a lot of the time, they do reduce the tardive dyskinesia movements by quite a bit. And that can be a big difference. Oh, for- yeah. The mosquito has done that. It's still that, it's still that I'm afraid to drive. I mean, my toes aren't as bad as they were, but I'm still afraid to drive. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, I'm afraid of the movements and stuff and I don't, you know, stopping at a light or stopping ahead of time. I don't want to really, you know, uh, hurt anybody out there. So I stopped driving altogether so far. And people can really be self-conscious about it, especially if some of these movements are in the eyes and they're blinking constantly or moving their mouths a lot. Um, you know, they can be uncomfortable and actually... It really, you know, part of what the purpose of this webinar is, is to really uh, educate people about the symptoms so that early treatment, well, actually early diagnosis um, is really, can be very helpful uh, so that like any illness, if you catch it early, you have a better chance of providing treatment or changing the medicine that might be responsible for the tardive to begin with. So the less symptoms you have and the earlier it's taught, Obviously, these symptoms won't get worse and uh, and or continue to impair functioning. So, you know, just Richard Behavioral Associates is part of this initiative um, for those people that want an assessment of, of potential tardiphosphagia or if they you know, want to see us to determine whether or not or talk about whether or not those symptoms um, are consistent with tardive, then uh, I've told NAMI that we'd be willing to do those assessments in office or uh, virtually, um, you know, through, uh, you know, through FaceTime or, or whatever. So uh, to feel free to reach out to us um, and, you know, we will provide that assessment. Early, early diagnosis and early intervention is obviously key. Um, I don't know, Ken, whether you want to say something about it. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I didn't even realize I had a problem. It kind of, it, I've been taking uh, psychotropic drugs for about 25 years, and it this kind of snowballed slowly, and I, I began, it became, it became, it got to the point where it became 
chronic, which is biting my tongue, biting inside of my mouth. I mean, I, I've had that problem all my life, but it's become a thing where it's happening every day. And then suddenly when all this came to my attention, then it became like, I see it. I really have this condition. This is really something real. And sometimes I get shooting jolts through my entire body. That happens occasionally. And also um, uh, involuntary eye movements. That's the other thing that happens to me. So it's largely just biting my tongue, biting. As I'm chewing food, it usually happens. I, I just I have to be very cautious about how I do it. That's kind of how, how I've managed to cope with it. Uh, I think, Dr. Eli, right, older people are more vulnerable uh, to getting people just in terms of the neurological that system. That's right. That's right. The only risk factors that I'm aware of are age. So the more the more old a person is, the more at risk they are. The number of, of years or the amount of time you've been taking these medicines and also women are a little bit more at risk than men are. But, you know, the, the overall likelihood of getting Tardog is fairly low. And as I said, I think with each new advancement in, in medication development, the newer antipsychotics are much less likely to produce Tardog dyskinesia. Um, years ago, uh, you know, when they were first developed, it was a much, much more common uh, thing to, to, to incidents to see uh, these kinds of uh, people with, with these side effects. And I would also add, you know, even within the newer medicines within that group, some are much worse than others in terms of causing more tardive dyskinesia. So if it's something that's happening, if, if you're if you're a patient and you notice that you're starting to have some involuntary movements or family member or friend of yours is having some of these movements, it's really important to have a conversation about it and to, to have uh, a, a meeting with the person's doctor about it. I think a lot of people just kind of don't notice or they sort of don't want to deal with it. They, it doesn't bother them enough to really deal with it. Or maybe they're scared to change their medication. But there is a lot that can be done to prevent it from getting worse and even get rid of it. Uh, and like Dr. Smith said, the earlier you notice it, the better. But you have to have a conversation about it. And you have to have a meeting with your doctor so that you can evaluate the risks and benefits. And there are definitely steps you can take. Sometimes it's switching one medicine to another medicine in the same class. Sometimes it's lowering the dose a little bit. And sometimes it's adding on one of these treatment medicines that we talked about, which are FDA approved uh, since four years ago. Uh, somebody in the uh, question and answer that's sort of commenting in terms of them identifying having movements of the torso, um, that she had taken resveratrol for 10 years. Um, and uh, I think the point, I think that Annie raised, uh, first commenting and asking if nervousness uh, makes it worse. Does it ever really go away? It can go away. Um, yeah, it definitely can go away. The earlier you catch it, the better your chance of, of getting it to go away completely. Um, but in, in every case that I've seen, it does take some time. So that's why I, you know, we really emphasize having a meeting with your doctor, making those adjustments, and then following up and having a meeting every month or two where you address the tardive dyskinesia. And it, it definitely can go away. And, and Christine, you might be able to say something about 
how much better yours has gotten or, or whether you think it's getting better. Well, mine is getting better. It's not as bad as it was. In the beginning, as I said, the first six months I was a mess, and it was a constant uh, steady movement of the toes and the buttocks. And uh, I think I was calling you people at night that at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning that I couldn't deal with the uh, movements and all. But now uh, it has subsided quite a bit. Um Unfortunately, I'm still not driving because I'm, you know, afraid. But it, it's not as much as it, it was in the beginning. In the beginning, it was, it was, uh, it was more, it was, it was annoying. I mean, it, it didn't hurt or anything, but it was just very, very annoying and constantly, uh, without stopping at all. But now uh, it's gotten to the point where it, it's not as bad. Um, I could actually uh, even go outside and walk without uh, the movements as much as before. But uh, it's still, you know, I pray every night that it goes away. Yeah, there's a couple more questions. Thanks, Christine. Um, you know, somebody's asking the medicines for Tardive. Do you have to take them every day or just when you have the symptoms? And, you know, that treatment for Tardive is you have to take it every day. Um, it's something that needs to work over time uh, to get better, not just those days that have particular problems. And, uh, you know, the other thing you'd said, Dr. Eli, somebody has a question about um, how do you get rid of it? And this person, I guess, who had Tardive or has it, said that her doctor lowered her meds um, as a way of just seeing whether or not the symptoms could get better uh, in order to... Um, you know, by lowering the medicine that maybe the symptoms would stabilize or get better. And the third comment there was, you know, it's very expensive. And so Christine's already commented on the fact that there are uh, not only scholarships, but um, uh, funds available through the companies that make these medicines to provide it for people who can't afford the medicine. So, uh, you know, as one of those pharmacies, BestRx, you know, is aware of maybe some of those funding sources, but uh, you know, at, at your doctor's office or by going on to the companies in Greza uh, or Osteta, um, you can see programs that they might have uh, to subsidize the cost for you. And those, those are the questions that were uh, raised so far in the uh, question and answer. Just if anybody else has questions, please post, post it in the Q&A. I should have mentioned that at the very beginning. It's been found, so, but there might be more people that have, uh, you know, that want to ask a specific question. But again, I want to, again, say that if people are concerned about having this, um, there is a in-office uh, examination that the doctor can do to make a diagnosis and sort of in stage the severity of it. Um, and that's something really that any psychiatrist can do. But for those that, you know, want to contact us, we're happy to do that at no cost um, as really part of this, you know, service to raise awareness for uh, about tardive dyskinesia. Uh, Dr. Smith, what, for people that are listening to audio only, what's the best way for someone to contact you? Yeah, so the simple way is just telephone, and uh, our number is 
317-517-5522. And the person that could help set it up, her name is Sharon, and she's an extension 1304. 1304. And, um, or it's option three on the voice menu. So, uh, you know, if it's email, uh, you can email me at asmith, one, uh, asmith at ergclinical.com. And uh, perhaps as a follow-up, we can provide that information as well. With, uh, through email. When I first, um, when I first started with my toes moving and stuff, I had no idea what it was until I actually saw a commercial on it. And I said, oh, my God, that's what I have. <laughs> and that's when I, you know, told Dr. Eli what was going on with my toes and all. And that's when I realized, you know, that I had the TD because I never heard of it before. Um, I didn't say that. Um, I think the Ostito lessened the mouth problems, but my hand problems kind of increased so i i'm checking out with the neuro, neurologist um i've checked out with the neurologist to see if if my hands have anything to do with, with something uh, other than yeah. tardive yeah sometimes these movement disorders are quite complicated and it's not one size fits all or one cause right that uh, some of these other motor movements can have other uh, uh other causes so you know, with Tardive, for the most part, you know, there are these consistent uh, symptoms and it usually doesn't involve, you know, large uh, motor movements, right? Or specific tremors in hands. Is that right, Dr. Eli? It is, yeah. And sometimes there's sort of a, a trade-off or, um, you know, almost like a seesaw effect between different movement disorders. The theory of, of Tardive is that it's from overactivation of a certain pathway, the nigrostriatal pathway in the brain, and too much dopamine activation. But, but if you were to lower dopamine in that region of the brain, which is what these medications essentially do, you can have a different movement disorder if you lower it too far. So it's really a balancing act. Uh, and it, it requires a, a lot of meetings with your doctor. And, and I think that's where our clinic can help and other, other psychiatrists and neurologists can help um, to figure out exactly what's going on with you. It's not always a one-size-all solution. It's not always a one-size-fits-all kind of a solution. I'm sorry, the typical medicines that produce it are really those atypicals that are used for either bipolar, schizophrenia, or now even being added on for depression. Um, so the, old, the older medicines produced it more, right? Remember back in the days when everyone was on uh, Thorazine or Haldol uh, or Prolixin, things like that, th those medications actually produced it in almost 30% or some people say 35% of all the patients who took those medicines. The newer medicines, which is are much more popular today, there are still antipsychotic medicines, but they're called second generation or atypical antipsychotics. And those are much, much more popular medicines. So like someone mentioned Abilify, there's Seroquel, there's Risperidone, which I think someone asked a question about. 
and a bunch of other ones that are even newer, Rexulti, Braylar. Uh, and so those, those medicines are less of a problem in terms of tardive, but they still cause it sometimes. And they, they can cause it in an insidious fashion where, like we described, you can be you cannot notice any side effects for a long period of time. And then all of a sudden you start to get these movements. And so it's, again, it's important to notice it early, talk about it, and then be willing to change, to change your medicines and try different things to get rid of it. I'll be honest with you. I'm afraid to to change any medicines that I'm taking now, even though I I still have it, uh, because I'm afraid that it might get worse or I might get different movements or something um, happening or whatever. And I, you know, sometimes when I read the, um, you know, what the medicine is for and, and how it does cause the tardive dyskinesia then I just, you know, I, I feel like sometimes I, I'm at the point where I want to just throw everything out because I want to get rid of this. And, you know, I wonder if I just stopped taking it, if it would go away. You know, because it is annoying and it is depressing. Uh, it doesn't hurt at all. It's just that the, you know, the movements, the constant movements are, are what's annoying. Yeah. Well, thanks, Christine, for sharing all that, really, everybody. Um, actually, Linda Wilson, who's the executive director of uh, NAMI here on Staten Island, did ask a question. Is there anything else that helps besides medication? Um, we know that, you know, anxiety can often... Uh, worsen neurological symptoms. Uh, I'm not aware of anything uh, besides medication that has been studied uh, to reduce tardive. Are you aware of anything, uh, Dr. Eli? Yeah, there was an herb that was studied, a popular uh, Indian herb, an Ayurvedic herb called ashwagandha. That it's the same principle that, that you're mentioning. Um, uh, if you can make people feel more relaxed and less anxious, then they can see a reduction in their tardive dyskinesia. So uh, you can do that a number of different ways. You can do it with meditation. You can do it with getting better sleep at night. And sometimes people take herbs and supplements to try and lower their anxiety as well. Um, so that's kind of the other concept that's important to mention. It won't cure it. It won't get rid of the tardive dyskinesia, but it can reduce it if you can lower your anxiety level somehow. That's interesting. There's always a relationship between the, right, the mental and the physical. You know, they definitely interact in both directions. Um, any of the panelists uh, want to sort of make any comments about their experience or um, I, you know, I really thank everyone for, for sharing uh, what it's like. I think you both, really all of you articulated very clearly uh, the comfort and perhaps even, you know, the social sort of self-consciousness that can develop, especially if some symptoms around the face and you're moving, um, 
you know, it can be you know, something that uh, makes people uncomfortable in, in public. Yeah, I can see that being somewhat stigmatizing, for sure. Yeah, fortunately, I don't have the external, but I have the internal, which is just having to monitor myself as I'm eating all the time. So that's become a chronic. And I think we can sort of recognize, you know, many more people having these kinds of uh, symptoms, you know, when they're, you know, if you're old enough, and then, you know, as I said, 20 or 30 years ago, when they were the mentally ill in the street, and they were on some of the earlier medicines that were much more likely to produce these symptoms. And you used to see very sort of, you know, unusual movements from these people that had nothing to do with their psychiatric illness, but it was really a function of their side effects from medicine. And it really further kind of ostracized and, and stigmatized them as, as sort of Pete's indicating, because they just looked, you know, so strange with these very unusual movements uh, that were medication related. Um, and, uh, you know, thank goodness we're not a you know, there have been developments and it's a much lower frequency kind of, 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 of problem. But, um, you know, I think it can be stigmatizing because it's an outward appearance of something that, you know, looks unusual. How common is this? Well, uh, it's, it's fairly it's fairly rare in terms of the total population. Um, if you, I mean, I think the number in the United States that's been measured is 200,000, but it's so underreported because most people don't ever really seek help for it. Um, so the, the more realistic estimate is about 500,000 people in the United States, so about wow. half a million people. So that's a lot of people. Um, that have severe, and that's the number that have moderate to severe tardive dyskinesia. So that means it's really, it's really affecting them. It's limiting them in some way. Um, and if you look at all the sort of milder cases where people are just starting to develop these involuntary movements, it's much more. So it could be as much as 15 or 20% of the people that, that take medication. Wow. So, yeah, it happens to a lot of people, and yeah, I would just echo what Dr. Smith was saying uh, about the sort of discouraging effects and the stigmatizing effects. You know, it's not, it's not that it's necessarily a life-threatening problem, but for people who have already had to deal with the stigma of having mental illness, and they've, they've gotten that somewhat under control, they've taken medication, they've, they've really taken steps to deal with their condition, to then, after all that, have to deal with the stigma of these involuntary movements and, you know, how it makes them appear and, and you know, feel like they're being judged by others, it, it can be really discouraging. So that's another reason to kind of do what you can to nip it in the bud and, and address it early. Or if you see someone else that, that you know that might be having a little bit of these movements, you know, maybe you can mention it to them and, and suggest that they can do something about it. Right. Increasing awareness is always really key for, for this kind of uh, problem uh, because 
you know, the word is really always out there about what it is. And uh, sometimes, again, people don't have an awareness because, you know, it's, rel- it's relatively subtle or the um, movements are involuntary. They're not aware of them. So, uh, yeah, uh, someone, you know, who knows this, an individual can often bring it out and bring it to their awareness so it can be assessed. And, um, you know, hopefully this, this event has, uh, you know, enlightened some, some people that didn't know about it. But I know, Pete, you'll have it up on our website uh, so that it can be viewed again yes. and, uh, over at NAMI. And, uh, you know, NAMI's always committed to educating uh, you know, the public about all aspects related to uh, mental illness. And, uh, and this is just one of those uh, things that really need to be, uh, you know, highlighted uh, to the community. And this is uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, so this is the first event, right, that uh, we're sort of focusing on in NAMI and uh, the good work that they do. So is NAM is NAMI a regular group that you could go to that has meetings like once a month or something? Because I never heard of it before. So uh, yeah, uh, Pete or Ken, I know you guys both, you know, aware of all the things that NAMI does. Do you want to give a quick plug? Uh, we have self-help support groups that meet every uh, Saturday afternoon at 1.30 on Zoom, or you could just dial in if you don't have a, 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 a smart appliance. You can call in and, and participate if you want to. If you want to give me a phone number or you know, share it after the meeting, I'll be happy to connect you. But we meet every Saturday. We have support groups for uh, people living with mental illnesses and sometimes their families if they want to join in. Thank you. And, and Pete, there's a bunch of other educational uh, events that NAMI does uh, for families of people that have mental illness, correct? Yes, that is correct. We have a, a, a family support group every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And by the way, the peer support group on Saturday and the family support group on Wednesday use the same Zoom link, and it's on our website at nami.staten.org. Thank you. Okay. Uh, they're also... We're currently uh, halfway through a family-to-family education course, which is an eight-week course that we're doing for the first time also on Zoom. And and we're looking towards the near future to do more informational webinars. Once again, thank you to our panelists, our clinicians. Oh, thank and, you. And our individuals out there. Thank you, too. Thanks for organizing this. This is wonderful. Thank you, Doc. Yeah, have a good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you. Good night. It's a pleasure. Thank you.